Today's Issues continues on AFR with your host, Ed Vitagliano. And welcome back to Today's Issues. Ed Vitagliano sitting in for Tim Wildman today, uh, today and this week. And I'm joined in studio by Fred Jackson, of course, from the last hour. And then Steve Jordahl joins us. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. I am shocked. Shocked, are you? Shocked, are you? When Tim is here and you, or I, Ed, you and I are on the show, we have a discussion about hockey. We have not talked about hockey. That's true. That's, That's uh, amazing. Are do we, I need to go get some uh, lunch or something? You <laughs> could. You could uh, come back in a few minutes. That's right. Because uh, tonight the uh, uh, Stanley Cup Finals begin. Yeah, and, and, and Steve should be interested because Colorado. Yeah. Colorado Avalanche, the Avalanche and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yes. I, I, when I moved to Colorado, I moved to, from California to Colorado in uh, about 2000. They were just starting, the Avalanche was just starting this run. Uh, they had a run of, I don't know, how many, three championships uh, in the early 2000s. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't. I, I don't remember. Well, it was a, it was it more than the one. Boston Bruins, so I don't. I didn't <laughs> it was more than one. Yeah, and uh, there was big time there. Everybody was a hockey fan at that point. Yeah, they haven't been back in a while. No, they now, haven't. You know, I, I'm I'm wondering, and Steve lived in Colorado, but it's Mile High City, Denver. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm wondering if the Tampa Bay Lightning players will be gasping for breath. <laughs> well, I think they generally, because um, this is this is true about anyone, and and the Avalanche. Have, they've had good teams the last several years. This they've finally made it to the finals, but uh, I think teams go a couple of days early to adjust. To adjust. To the these, these are athletes in peak condition. Yes. So, but it, it can if, if there is an adjustment. Let me yes. tell you, Has, as an athlete in peak position, I can tell you <laughs> condition. Um, that's what I don't know how it is in hockey. Probably the same, but I know that the Denver Broncos use that. Uh, when yeah. Teams come in. They they get teams that they get their guys running and and just yeah. try to run them out by the right. third fourth quarter you're gassed you're just doing yeah. I've also heard too for the hockey players uh, they reduce the amount of time uh, they're out there on the ice the shifts they'll keep it down mm-hmm. to about 45 seconds yeah then they go to the bench and gas some more yeah <laughs> some. so you really meant it when you wanted to talk hockey so we're we're, we're now talking about this is the, the Stanley Cup finals how long the shifts are <laughs> 45 seconds folks that that is shorter so mm-hmm. uh, for those of you listening you've you've definitely learned something there you uh, about hockey so all yep. right Steve what do we got all right you uh, we were talking about Ukraine I can't give you let's let's update what's going on in Ukraine briefly um it is uh what the CNN is calling it a pivotal point in the war in Ukraine. And I'll just read what CNN is writing. Western intelligence and military officials believe Russian, Russia's war in Ukraine is at a critical stage that could determine the long-term outcome of the conflict. That's according to multiple sources familiar with the U.S. and other Western intelligence. Ukraine's military is burning through Soviet-era ammunition that fits older systems as the country pleads with the West to send more heavy weaponry and Russia amasses a significant artillery advantage around two strategically important cities in eastern Ukraine. So things are are dire, I would say, for Ukraine. Ukraine, yeah. things are not going. Yeah, and we were just well. we were just talking about that because we we have been talking really the last couple of weeks about Ukraine only in terms of the inflation uh, yeah. or fuel price 
uh, impact of it, but uh, we hadn't really talked a whole lot about the, the war itself. So I think one of the factors is that Russia has found some new buyers uh, for its oil and gas, uh, China and India. And so uh, their economy is not hurting as much. Right. And uh, so that that's, that's their financial lifeline. Yes. Uh, for them. So if they can find other buyers for their oil and gas, uh, that puts more pressure on Europe, which is already under a lot of pressure as far as oil and gas goes from coming from Russia. So it, it does not look good. It, this, this war has been so strange yeah. when you, you know, it, it was big news for a while, but, uh, you know, the Ukrainian people are just suffering. Yeah. But the story, I guess that's the fault of the mainstream media uh, and the media in general, they were big on this story for a while. People are still suffering there. Uh, you know, Ukrainian soldiers, Ukrainian people are still suffering terribly there. But it's moved off the front pages. Yeah. Yes. It's, uh, do we, we not care anymore? I mean, we're doing some things. I know Samaritan's Purse is very much still involved there. Right. Uh, helping people. I, it was interesting. I did see a story the other day where a comedy club opened in the Ukrainian capital underground just to give relief to people to go listen to a comedian. Yeah. And they were laughing at themselves on the suffering they're undergoing right now in that war. And it was a bit of a strange piece, but uh, keep praying for the people of Ukraine. Keep praying. They're, they're large Christian community in that, in the, in that country. And, and there are cities that I, I don't know will ever recover, you know, at oh, least yeah. in, in the, in the near term. So all these people who fled to places like Poland, yeah. they don't have anywhere to go back to. Yeah. Where, I want to go home. Well, there is no home. No. So do they just, do they just live in, in tent cities in Poland or do they settle in in some city and start a new life? It's, it, it really is a humanitarian, uh, a tragedy. Yes. And, um, you know, even if the war ended today, the economic impact worldwide, you know, would still continue for a while. I mean, you can't just simply say the war's over. We're going to start producing wheat again. Mm. Okay. Because you've lost the ability to do that. By the way, one of the things I have read is that one of the reasons why Vladimir Putin did not invade anywhere during the Trump years is because fuel oil and natural gas fuel the Russian military. Mm -hmm. Every and military. Yes. Well, and, but the, w when the United States under Donald Trump was producing so much oil, yeah. we became exporters. Yes. And it really hurt the oil production and natural gas production of, of the sale of and distribution of uh, uh, their natural resources. They weren't able to fund a war. So I, I, I don't know in the grand scale of things in terms of foreign policy, if that was the explanation or just one of the explanations, but the, it is an interrelated world economy. And uh, that's been the case in terms of Europe uh, since the middle ages, since the Renaissance, but um, we certainly are interconnected now. And so those kinds of repercussions do, do affect the entire world when you have a country like Ukraine produces a lot of uh, um, fertilizer and yes. uh, the components for, for, for production of fertilizer. So anyway, I, I'm glad, uh, Steve, you were able to update us a little bit. Uh, we probably need to keep a, a closer eye on 
that war just for the sake, as Fred said, of the uh, Ukrainian people. It is important. Did you guys talk about uh, President Biden demanding more from uh, our oil companies? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. You did? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have the letter uh, that he wrote. Now, if Ukraine, if the, if the war is going off the pages, President Biden is doing his best to keep it on the front right. page. In this letter, it's a three-page letter, he mentions Vladimir Putin four times in the letter. <laughs> He's got no gas choice. Company. He's got to keep Vladimir Putin as the boogeyman. Yeah. Uh, one, one of these, he says, there's no question that Vladimir Putin is principally responsible for the financial pain, intense financial pain, the American people feel. No. No. <laughs> but anyway. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked that he would try to deflect mm-hmm. away from his own administration. Yeah, the clown. I show. know. So, yeah. All right. What else we got? Um, I brought some popcorn in with me today because I think this is going to be that's newsworthy. Yeah. Well, it is. I'm sitting back. We got a show to watch. Uh, not our show. The left is eating itself alive. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great story, folks. You want to listen to this? All right. So, uh, wokeism and uh, the political correctness and making sure that. Um, everybody is now on board with all the social changes that are there. The demand that businesses like, you know, support all these radical things like transgenderism and everything. You got to know that it's going to eventually come back on itself. This is an article in the intercept and it starts out talking about a zoom call that the Guttmacher Institute had. The Guttmacher Institute is the Planned Parenthood's basically data arm, their research arm. And uh, they called this Zoom meeting because they wanted to know, they wanted to discuss with their employees, what can we as as the Guttmacher Institute do to help fight the systemic racism that's everywhere in the country? Well, the Zoom call ended up being, well, what about the racism within Guttmacher? Because you're not doing everything you can to, you know, you're, you know, to promote people of color and all this kind of stuff. In fact, they had to, it resulted in an internal investigation and this is what this is the the money shot here the, um the institute that has spent the course of the biden administration paralyzed makes it typical that it, it basically what they say is uh, Guttmacher can no longer function they they're they're so internally fighting he said that the institute has spent the course of the Biden administration paralyzed makes it typical, not just of the abortion rights community, like Planned Parenthood, NARAL, Poor Choice America, other reproductive, what they call reproductive health organizations, have similarly been locked in, in knockdown, dragout fights between competing factions within their own investig- organization. But it's breaking, uh, it's true that the progressive advocacy space across the board has more or less effectively ceased to function. The Sierra Club, Demos, American Civil Liberties Union, Color of Change, the Movement for Black Lives, Human Rights Campaign, Time's Up, Sunrise Organization, and many other organizations have seen wrenching and debilitating turmoil in the past couple of years. And then this is the sentence. It's hard to find a Washington-based progressive organization that hasn't been in tumult or isn't currently in tumult. Fred, I think this is hilarious. Steve yes. brought this uh, up at our story meeting. So Steve's, <laughs> Steve's got popcorn for everyone as we watch the left eat itself. What's, what's hilarious is, now I, I, I just want to say, I said this a couple of years ago. I, I said, don't tell me, I was, ta- I, I was mentioning uh, white people. I was saying white progressives, quote unquote progressives, 
don't tell me you believe in this white privilege baloney and yet keep your position. In fact, I, I brought it up because there was a, a white pastor or maybe it was a Bible college, I mean, a, a seminary pr a professor who said, yes, I am, I have white privilege and I am a racist. This goes back two or three years ago. And I said, I don't want to hear it unless you're willing to give up your spot mm -hmm. and your spot on the faculty or your spot as the lead pastor. I said, and don't tell me you believe it unless you are willing to sell your church and give it to a black church mm -hmm. and start all over again. Don't tell me you really believe that you have privilege because white people have su suppressed black people and have kept them from uh, succeeding in our country in 2020 or whenever it was I said this. Don't tell me you believe it. And now what's happening is all these white people who are woke mm -hmm. and are agreeing with white supremacy are now being challenged on this very point. Yep. If you really believe it, mm -hmm. you need to step down. You need to give us the positions. And these uh, progressive organizations that are filled with white people mm -hmm. touting white privilege, the radical racist mongers, racism mongers, aren't going to be satisfied until those positions are filled with people of color. And it's happening with organizations right across the whole spectrum. You know, they set up this this idea that, uh, you know, um, a city council uh, should reflect the community. Right. The, the diversity of the community. So whatever that, you know, uh, many whites, blacks, Hispanics, whatever the case may be. Uh, and then somebody from inside the, that, a given organization A says, well, that's what we're telling the city to do. Let's look at our own organization. Yeah. All right. Uh, so there's a vice president position open. So you've got some white people over here been in the organization for 10, 15 years. Yeah. Hey, I've been working on this vice president position for some time. Sorry. Sorry, Joe. Uh, you're a male and you're white. You're not on the list at all. You got that position because of white privilege. Yes. Step down. So uh, this one is going to be for this particular individual uh, or type of individual who meets these checkboxes right here. We saw a whole administration fill its cabinet post and everything with these kind of people that, to, you know, and look, look how it's worked out for them. Yeah, you're <laughs> talking about on the basis only, only of, of intersectionality. Right, right. And, yes. and don't think that it's going to stop at just racism because some of these country, companies – um, are now also being put on notice because they don't have enough transgender or homosexual right. employees or whatever. It, what I find interesting is the, the right, companies on the right, uh, for, for sure, advocacy you're groups. Are you talking about companies now or are you talking about well, organizations? Uh, let's go across the board. Certainly organizations like ours, Family Research Council, people that are conservative organizations that are looking for change or to protect religious freedom or whatever the goal is, right. we're kind of immune from this. Yeah, they've been coming at us for a long time saying that we're evil and bad and everything. They can't make us hire gay people or, or buy into this. Companies in the middle, uh, like Chick-fil-A and Hobby Lobby, they're kind of immune too. Everybody's known that they're Christian-based companies, and despite what Chick-fil-A went through they're still doing their business without having to do this disney not so much right. now you know they're starting to get the further left you go the more this is 
um, starting to affect you, and you can't escape it. It's the logical conclusion of well, saying everything is is race based or that of identity politics. Let's yeah, just say that. Uh, the, the the one word I think that that struck me in that piece that it that uh, I think characterizes the trouble they're in is paralysis. Yeah. These groups are going to be paralyzed by these internal fights. Mm -hmm. You're going to have leadership turnover based solely on race yeah. or gender or sexual orientation. So and you're going to so people who have been serving in these uh, organizations like you said 10, 15, 20 years are going to be suddenly ousted mm -hmm. over nothing other than their skin color or their sexual orientation or or their cisgender identity. And it couldn't happen to a better group. Uh, absolutely. That's <laughs> a great uh, uh, a great little metaphor of the eating the popcorn and watching the movie. It's, it's happening everywhere else. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, now, now, okay, so the Southern Baptists are having their convention right now, and I will tell you that the, the church conservative organizations, we don't have it all together. We've got issues that we're dealing right. with we're trying to work through. Um, but it's not nearly as debilitating. It doesn't seem to be nearly as debilitating as what we're seeing on the left. I will say this. I, I remember now it was J.D. Greer yeah. that, I, that I was mentioning this to uh, when, they, when he was talking about the racism uh, within the Christian community. Yeah. That's one of the ones, that's one of the times I said, fine, J.D. Greer, <laughs> step down from your position, give your senior pastorship to a black Christian, and not only that, Give your church away to yeah. a black church because you, if you really believe in white privilege, that was J.D. Greer was one of the ones that that kind of upset me by his accusation that all Christians were I was racist. I was talking about this with um, Alex McFarland earlier this morning uh, about racism. And my question to him and to everybody out there now and you guys, what's the ultimate point of this? Because it used to be race, everything was racist. Now it's gender and sexism and everything is anti-trans or whatever it doesn't matter as long as there's division as long as there is some kind of battle going on making this country look incompetent and racist or sexist or bad this is the country that spilt its own blood to end slavery this right. is the country that stopped it not that's you know and and it had it was white christians mostly who who were abolitionists in right. the civil war time it was a lot of white Christians who came down from the North in the 60s to help the civil rights battle. You know, not exclusively, but right. but in large part. And there um, was a lot of white resistance sure. to it. A lot but, of white Democrat resistance. Yes, that's true. <laughs> well, Fred, I, 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 I don't know what your opinion is. I think the end, the end goal, if that's what you're asking, Steve, I think the end goal is to overthrow the Constitution. Yeah. Not everybody on that side states that as their goal, but I'm talking about the the cultural Marxism behind this movement is to so taint the image of the American founding and the founders that they are going to demand that we overthrow it and replace it with something else. That's what I think they're after. Well, uh, but the reaction to that is getting stronger and stronger. And we talked a little bit about this yesterday. Uh, there's this new book out, Pete Hegseth on Fox, uh, along with uh, a gentleman who heads up a, a group of Christian schools. They're just releasing a book. And they've, they've had some interviews on Fox over the last couple of days. 
And basically they said this, you know, the Marxists have had as their plan to take over the school system for so long. And uh, their their goal was to rewrite history. Right. They, they have been rewriting history for a long time now. But here's what's happening. The rebellion has reached the point where we're not going to try to reform. In other words, we're not going to try to cure that cancer. Uh, we're going to start a whole new organism. Right. That's where it is. And that's where the threat will come to the left is when conservatives, like we saw in Nebraska, we dealt with Lincoln, yes. Nebraska there. People rose up and said, we're not going to put up with this. This is what happened in Virginia last year. People rose up against critical race theory and all right. these sorts of things. And so it, it, it seems, you know, the, the disease moves into the body. The body starts becoming aware that there's a problem there. And then uh, there's an effort to fight this. And this is where we are right now. There are, there are groups that are raising up. They're either going to try to reform or they're going to say, no, we're going to start something totally different. And here is why. Because if we don't do this, we're jeopardizing the, the, the future of the country. So I think whether it's Lincoln, Nebraska, whether it's Virginia, whatever is happening right now, wherever it's happening, there is a revolution going on, not with guns. Right. Uh, there is a revolution going on that says, we believe in this country. We believe that this country was founded on Christian principles. And now we're realizing if we remove those Christian principles as to how we are governed, we, we, we risk losing it all. Right. And so I, I, I think it's an exciting time in many ways to watch what is happening. I was thinking about this on the break. Who was it? What Democrat strategist thought that they, Joe Biden is going to come into office, going to declare war on fossil fuels. And the American people will like it. Right. Who was it that came up with that idea? Who was it that thought, hey, we'll raise gas prices up to an average of $5 a gallon, and the American people will understand it? Or, you know, that, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we won't deal with this. And, the, you know, like the American people, it's like Joe, Joe Biden said, what, in that speech yesterday? We're changing people's lives. Yes. You know, that's what he said. And he meant it in a sense, we're making it better for everybody. No, you're not. The American people aren't buying that. That's why I believe this midterm. Now, we saw it in the Tea Party back 2010. I think, I think it's going to make the Tea Party revolution look very tiny. Yeah. I think we're beyond that now. I think we're, uh, the country is seeing the actual impact. It's one thing to hear people give philosophies. Now we're living through a, a left-wing philosophy, and the American people, for the most part, are saying no to it. Right. And that crosses racial lines. Yep. It, it crosses, you know, whether it's folks that are blue-collar or white-collar. Uh, I think it's very healthy for the country, quite frankly. The book you were referencing uh, from Pete Hexeth is called The Battle for the American Mind, mm -hmm. and it's Pete Hexeth and David Goodwin. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It'll be on store shelves very, very, it is. very soon. It's out. It's out. All right, you got anything you can say in 30 seconds that's funny or entertaining? There's a, or? there's a company that wants to give you, pay you to put cockroaches in your house. $100, uh, no, a couple thousand dollars, and they're testing a cockroach, $2,000. If you put 100 cockroaches in your house, they have a new way to get rid of them. They're testing it out on people. Would you do that? <laughs> first of all, my wife would say no. Oh. I'd have to move out first. What if the way they have to get rid of them doesn't work? <laughs> then they have promised to get rid of them the old-fashioned way. All right. 2000 bucks. Yeah. 
Hey, that'll nope. buy a, a couple nope. of tanks of gas. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, folks, that is all the time we have for today's issues today. We will be back tomorrow with another edition of today's issues. More of the great uh, information you've heard. More great programming, by the way, directly ahead on American Family Radio. Lord willing, we will see you tomorrow.